Hey guys, we got the entire family with us this weekend. We got all of our campuses, so what is up? Hamilton Mill, Midtown, North Cobb, what's up? All of our online family locally as well as globally, what's up? Our house churches, come on, let's welcome everybody in today. The whole fam's here. Hey guys, so my family, I I grew up uh, going to the Presbyterian Church. So what that means is every single Sunday, we would do at least the same three things. Every single Sunday, my whole young life, uh, we would first, we would recite the Apostles' Creed together, right? So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Uh, We would sing the Gloria Patri together. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, right? And then we would pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, I did those three things every single Sunday to the point that I had them memorized. In fact, uh, actually a really important part of my story is I had all three of those things memorized before I even came to faith in Jesus. So honestly, guys, when I raised my hand to say yes to Jesus, I kind of knew what I was saying yes to because all this had kind of been put into me uh, growing up. And here's the deal, though. Uh, Those same three things every single Sunday for years. And I just, honestly, I just kind of thought that those three things were things that the Presbyterian Church had, had kind of created to help people know what faith was. So you can imagine my shock when I learned that the Lord's Prayer is called the Lord's Prayer because it's the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray in the Bible. So maybe you didn't even know this, but here it is, Matthew 6, verse 9. This then, this is red letters. This is Jesus saying, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, this looks familiar. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's a good prayer. You wanna know why? Because it's Jesus. Jesus knows how to pray. So you should listen when Jesus teaches you how to pray. So here's the deal. One, I didn't know that the Lord's Prayer was in the Bible. Two, as I started reading like the verses around it to get some context, I didn't know that kind of Jesus like set up the Lord's Prayer. Like he didn't just like boom, like just drop it randomly in the middle of a conversation. So like the larger context of the Lord's Prayer is found here in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And basically what Jesus is trying to do is say, hey, build your life on the solid rock of my truth so that when the storms of life come, like outside, come on, Jesus. So like when the storms of life come, your life won't be washed away. Right? And so he kicks off here in Matthew 5, talking about what does like a kingdom life begin to look like. And in Matthew 6, he starts talking about why do we live the kingdom life? What are our motives? Why do we do what we do? Not just doing the right thing, but doing the right thing for the right reasons. Come on, somebody. You know that it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reasons? Right? And that's what Jesus is starting to get into here in Matthew 6. And so what he does, he calls us not to do what he would call our acts of righteousness or our right living for others to see. And so he kind of groups our whole right living into three things, into giving, into praying, and into fasting. Right? So giving is how we serve others. Uh, praying is how we relate to God. And fasting is how we discipline ourselves. And very importantly, Jesus never says in Matthew 6, he never says, if you give and if you pray and if you fast, he actually says what? 
when you give and when you pray and when you fast, because here's our reality, guys, to every soul that has been touched with the loving kindness of God, you will give and you will pray and you will fast, right? But here's the deal. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, give and pray and fast. He says it matters how you give and how you pray and how you fast because man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And, and Jesus actually says, guys, here, here's the real danger. Here, here are the sirens today. It is possible to turn holy things into unholy things when we do them for the wrong reason. When we give to be seen by others and when we pray to be seen by others and when we fast to be seen by others, we pollute the entire process, right? So in the setup for the Lord's Prayer here, Jesus doesn't just tell us what to pray. He tells us how to pray right? How are we supposed to show up in this place called prayer? And again, listen, when God tells you how to pray, listen, right? He probably knows what he's talking about, right? So again, next week, we're going to get all into the actual Lord's Prayer, but here's the setup to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 5, the red letters, Jesus says, and when you pray, not if, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. So pause right there. So what would happen culturally at that time? I know we know nothing of this, but people would come to church and they would pray loud. No? Never seen that? Never done that? Never heard of that? So people would come and they would pray these big, beautiful, loud prayers for everybody to hear. And culturally speaking, they would actually pray three times a day. And the most spiritual guys would show up at the temple to pray, right? So you would be on your way to the temple. And, and so maybe you're running late or maybe you're running late on purpose. And oh, here it is. Oh, the call to prayer goes out. I guess I'm just right here on the corner. Jesus, Lord God. And what the Lord says right here, he says, hey, when that happens and everybody stands back and says, wow, that guy's really spiritual, he's saying, truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. They already got their applause. And he goes on, but when you pray, everybody say, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And guys, there, there are four, if I can just say it like this, there are four really scary words that Jesus uses in this passage. He says this, the, the Pharisees, they love to pray. They love to pray. And that's scary because I love to pray. And it should be a little bit scary to all of us because God's people are a people of prayer. And so could it be that we're susceptible to the same trap that they fell into? That to a people who love prayer, it's possible to pray the wrong way. And I know a lot of us, we probably think, well, any sort of prayer is a good prayer, right? Like, I mean, come on, man, just go ahead and pray, just pray. No, that's not what Jesus said. In fact, there is a type of prayer that's repulsive to God. Here's the type of prayer that's repulsive to God. It's when pride touches prayer. Prayer that's been touched by pride is toxic and repulsive to the king. 
And in essence, here's what Jesus begins laying out, guys. Here's why you should not love prayer, to be seen and honored by others. Here's why you should love prayer, to be seen and honored by God to be seen and honored by God. And let me just pause just kind of right here, okay? Because I know this sounds incredibly lame to you if you're outside the faith, right? Like, come on, you're trying to be spiritual to impress other people? Maybe, maybe you're kind of like a fringe Christian this morning, like one foot in, one foot out, just kind of like, just checking this Jesus thing out, and you're like, come on, guys. Like, people pray to impress other people. Like, how ridiculously lame is that? Be careful, though, because you're the same one who posts your Call of Duty clips online to get the likes. Y'all are the same one who, who, bring, who brought your Louis Vuitton in today. Or maybe wearing your Rolex, right, so that everybody would see. Maybe you're the one who loves talking about your vacations at work, so you can, like, humble brag about how much money you got. See, here's the reality, guys. We all love to impress other people. It's what we do. I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand because if you didn't raise your hand, you'd be lying. And now you're double sinning in church. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> let's just keep it to one sin today, all right? So we all love to be seen by people. We all wanna impress people. We all wanna brag on our life, all right? But here's, here's the subtle problem about spiritual bragging is that when we do our spirituality to impress other people, the problem is something really subtle happens along the line where we actually begin believing ourselves and tricking ourselves into thinking that we're actually being spiritual and impressing God. And very, very kindly, Jesus comes right back in the center of that and points us back to true north, and we'll read it again, Matthew 6, 5 through 6. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've already received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so guys, today, Jesus says there's a wrong way to pray, but there's also a right way to pray. And I don't know about you, but I wanna pray the right way. Anybody else wanna pray the right way? About a third of you, awesome, okay. By the end of the day, we're all gonna wanna pray the right way. Here, here, here's, the, here's the idea, guys. Like, here, the, the good news is this. We don't have to figure this out for ourselves, right? Because Jesus already tells us how to pray the right way. So enter into this, write it down, leave it when you, no, do it when you leave here today, right? So how do we pray the right way? What does it look like to pray the right way? Here's, here's the first thing, okay? When I pray the right way, I engage in corporate prayer, and closet prayer, all right? So even right here in this passage, Jesus is telling us to uh, pray big and to pray small, right? So Matthew 6, 6, let's read it again. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door, okay? When Jesus says room, right, that, that, that word room in the Greek is tameon. And so uh, I don't know if you knew this, um, back then, they did not live in like two-story architectural homes, Right? Did y'all know that? Like, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have indoor plumbing. Anybody? Okay, we're gonna do a history lesson after service today. All right, their homes, their living arrangements were different, right? They kind of have open air sort of living. But there was one room in their home which was kind of locked off. There was one room in their home that was private. One room in their home that nobody really had access to. One room in their home that had no windows, that really had a door. It was kind of like the safe room. It was the closet. It was the storeroom. It was this room that Jesus is talking about. So if you're curious, how, if you've ever heard the word like uh, go into your prayer closet, this is where we get it from. 
Jesus says, go into the room. What's the room? It's the storeroom that's in the middle of your house. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, family, we, every single one of us, we need a place where we can go where people don't see you and you don't see them. Wherever that is, you need a place where you can just go be with God alone, where people aren't watching you and you're not worrying about what they think. Why? Because here's the deal, okay? You ever sat down to pray and then all of a sudden you hear a bird tweet and you're like, huh. You look outside and then you see the tree and you're like, oh, dang it. I forgot to call the yard service, okay? And then you pick up your phone. You see the bill text. You're like, oh, what's up, Bill? Right, and then bing, the notification comes through from Instagram. Oh, somebody likes me. You click on it and two hours later, you're on YouTube watching conspiracy theories about the moon landing. <laughs> or is that only me? I'm the only, I'm the only one. And, and then your time's up and you haven't even prayed. And you're like, well, I'll give the college try again tomorrow, right? Like, so what Jesus is saying here, guys, guys, every single one of us, we need a place where we can pray, where it's just us and God. It's just you and God and nobody's watching and you're not watching them. And so let me, let me, let me give you a gift today if you didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. Your phone has a do not disturb button. Do you know that? Even if you have one of those devilish Google phones, like they have one too, okay? Every single one of us, you have a do not disturb. And here, I know you, you don't even believe this. You have the option not to bring your phone with you when you pray. <laughs> what, if, what if somebody tags me in something? And I'm, I don't see it immediately and I got FOMO and I'm fear of missing out and everything. No, man, just lay it down. Jesus invites us into this place to just put it all on silent, to close the blinds, just lock it off, to go into whatever inner room there is, close the door behind you where nobody's watching you and you're not watching them. So here's the reality, guys. We have an invitation from God to enter into what's called closet prayer. But don't use you having a closet prayer, a small, personal, private closet prayer to excuse you away from the big public corporate prayer. All right, some people, somebody already is like, well, you know, Jesus says, don't let anybody see you pray. So, man, what, the reason why I don't show up to corporate prayer is because I'm just more spiritual than everybody else, and I just, I'm, I sleep in. No, here's the reality, guys. Jesus doesn't say, don't let people see you pray. He says, don't pray to be seen. He's not talking about the outside. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about your motives, right? So here, here's the reality. We are called to both corporate, big corporate prayer, but also small closet prayer. And I'm gonna get really technical on you just for a second. Language matters. So when Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, that's second person singular. So in other words, he's talking about you individually as a person when you pray. When Jesus introduces the Lord's prayer, he actually uses the second person plural, which is y'all. We from the South, right? That's the South side of Jerusalem. It says y'all, all right? So Jesus says there's a place where you pray and there's also a place where y'all pray. Right? So in no way, shape, or form is Jesus forbidding praying in public. In fact, Acts 1.14, right? They all join together constantly in prayer. There's a million of those. Why? Because the early church was rooted in prayer, right? And, and praying, to, praying together is awesome. So praying together in a small group, praying together with your family, praying together on a Sunday morning, praying together uh, on corporate prayer time. So I, I, we say this a lot. We've said it forever, and I affirm it. The most important hour of the week for this house is our corporate prayer times, right? So, so in Norcross and in Midtown, we pray on Saturday mornings. Hamiltonville and North Cobb, they pray on Wednesday nights. Be there, like be there, 
The most important hour that we have is when we're not just, listen, when we're not just like praying for our family, but we're actually lifting our eyes up to see that the fields are white for the harvest and we're praying for this house and we're praying for the nations. That's, that's the power. So I, some people misunderstand. They're like, corporate prayers. is that where we pray for the businesses of the church? I actually had somebody like, that's why I don't come. I'm not a business owner. No, corporate means numerous. Like we are praying together. We're not praying for the businesses of the church, even though we do do that, okay? And, and I have a secret. I have a secret. Can we, can we keep a secret? Can y'all keep a secret out there? I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this. My favorite people in the church are the ones who come to corporate prayer. Don't tell anybody that though. It's just between us. Why? Because something has changed inside you. If you can actually just see beyond yourself, you're for and no more. And you can actually lift your eyes up and see that God has a kingdom that wants to come. And he has a will that wants to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And you lock arms with the saints to pull down heaven, down here to earth. Something happens. And so let me tell you guys, you need to be praying. You need to be people of corporate prayer. And you need to be people of closet prayer. And let me say this, let me, let me just say this. Even if you show up every single time that the doors are open here, even if you show up every single time that we have corporate prayer, you still need to find that you, that Tameon, that place where you can just go with God and pray. Because how do we pray the right way? We pray big and we also pray small. Here's the second thing. When I pray the right way, I drop my pride and I drop my polish. So one of uh, my wife, uh, one, of, one of Summer's favorite things to do is to go downtown and go see a play at the Fox. So uh, I like it too, uh, but it's like her jam. You know what I'm talking about? I, you, you wanna know why I don't like going to the Fox? Because I'm like every other person. I don't like going downtown. <laughs> I hate traffic. It's just not my thing, right? Like, which is why Hamilton Mill, you live there. North Cobb, you live there, right? Right, like we, we don't like that, okay? But, but there, are, there are other times, we just pack up the car, we take a sack lunch, you know what I'm saying? Like you gotta get a hotel if you go downtown because you never know, it could take 30 minutes or take four hours, you don't know. And we go down, so Summer loves the whole thing. Summer loves the getting dressed up, she loves the night out, she loves the dinner, she loves going in, seeing the actors take their marks, she, she loves the light, she loves the applause, she just loves the environment, right? Like, uh, so we, we've seen the... Um, the uh, Phantom of the Opera, we've seen Annie, we've seen Hamilton, right? Like, like she loves the whole thing. What Summer's favorite, like what she loves is, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> like she loves it, right? She, lo- she, she loves the, come on somebody, she loves the Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. No way? Just you wait. Okay, we'll, do, we'll watch that later, okay? She loves all of it, but here's the deal. Here's, here's one thing that I've never seen out of all the plays. I was in plays, did drama, like I, I, I've seen it, I've been there. Here's one thing that I've never seen happen in all the years. I've never seen somebody come off the stage and still think that they were Alexander Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they know they're playing a part, right? They know they're not actually the Phantom of the Opera. They're not like, honey, what's for dinner? <laughs> Nobody goes shopping in Publix as Orphan Annie. <laughs> Call the police, right? Like, why? Be, because they know what they are. They're, they're on a stage. They're playing a part in front of the audience. And their job is to take on the characteristics of somebody else. 
And based on how well they portray somebody they're not will determine the applause they get from the audience. And Jesus says that a lot of people's spirituality is the same thing. Hey, I, I, I know I, I'm not really doing this for God, but my small group really likes it when I pray like this. So I do that. Hey, I know I don't really do this anywhere but in church, but my girlfriend really likes it when I raise my hands during the worship songs. So I, I do that for her because she likes it. And so I just kind of play the part when I'm here. I don't do it anywhere else. I just kind of do it here. Be careful. Because, because what Jesus says is that applause, that honor that you get is the only applause and the only honor that you'll get. And again, let's read it again, Matthew 6, 5 through 6. He says, but when you pray, don't be like the actors. Don't be like the, the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they already got their applause. And what Jesus is showing us, guys, is that it's way too easy to be actors. It's way too easy for pride to touch our piety. And it's so subtle. You want to know what it looks like? Here's what it looks like, okay? Let me, let's see if you can find yourself somewhere in here. Here's what, here's what it looks like. Do you remember the first time you were asked to pray in public? Do you remember how nervous you were? Come on, are we, are we alive today? Y'all remember this? Right, you remember this where you were like, hey, hey, you want to you pray? And you're like, oh, yeah. And instantly your heart's like... Your, your, things, your watch is like, warning, heart attack, warning, heart attack. It's calling the EMS. Instantly, your mouth is like desert. You're like. <laughs> and you're sitting there and you're like, um, um, oh, um. Going through puberty again. Um, God, bless the kids in Ethiopia. You're looking around the room. You're like, okay, that was good. Okay, Amen. And here, here's the reality. Here, I know it. I know it is human nature. I know this. Let's just be honest. Lots of times, especially early on when we pray in front of other people, we're not really praying to God. We're praying for those people, right? We're, we're not really praying to God. We're thinking about how those other people are thinking about how we're praying when we're praying. And we're so self-conscious about it. You, know, you want to know what that is? Pride. Pride. Well, here's the deal. Fast forward a few years later, and you're no longer worried about like what other people think about when you pray. You're actually now, you've arrived at the place, this place where you're like, man, I don't care what they think. In fact, my job is to outpray the last dude. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Like you, you got the scripture verses loaded. You got the key phrases to get the wows, right? And you're, you're in the prayer circle. Come on, somebody. We in the same? You're in the prayer circle and like this dude prays and you're like, man, you joker. How did... <laughs> How did you not pull out the verse? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, how did you not pull out the, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine according to the glory's rich in Christ Jesus. Like, how did, how did you forsake that verse? Oh, I got that verse. And you're like going over in your mind and it's like, all right, amen. Okay. Father God, Father God, Father God, God of the cherubim and the seraphim. Manifest your Shekinah glory in this humble abode, Lord, in this house not built with human hands, but the Lord abides in And everybody's over there like, mm. Mm. never heard of those phrases put together. I'm going to use that. The next. Wow, that's a good one. 
Everybody's taking notes. It's pride. It's pride. Or maybe you're in worship, right? And your soul is like screaming, like, come on, God, give God the honor that's due his name. But you're worried about what the person next to you thinks. And so you just kind of sit like this. I don't know. I don't want them thinking I'm, I'm like one of those people, right? You want to know what that is? Pride. Or maybe you're, you're at one of the campuses, right? And the camera starts painting through during worship. Right, and you're just kind of like, but you see it coming, right? You see it coming, and right before it gets to you, you're like this. Jesus, right? But your eyes aren't closed, they're kind of squinted. Cause you're like, right, is it on me? Is it on, okay, yeah, all right, ah, it's on me. Look at me, look at me, kids, look at me, look at what I do, okay. As soon as it's back off, you wanna know what that is. It's pride. See, the way that I pray, the way that I worship, showing how great and how spiritual that I am. Guys, we've got to be careful. That's what happens. We worship big, and we sing big, and we dance big, and we pray big, right? And people bring their tambourines to church. People want to blow their shofars in church, their ram's horns in church. I actually, a little while back, I had, I had somebody like during, during prayer time, during worship here, that they were like yelling at one of my friends in tongues. And they turned to him and they're like, shaka, 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 and he's like, what the heck? This ain't about you. This ain't about you. Right? I, I, I have people who are like, why won't you let me come front center and dance and wave my banner? Because it ain't about you. Listen, go read 1 Corinthians 14 later if you need to. Paul's giving instructions to what our worship is supposed to look like, right? Because we're a little bit of a mixed bag everywhere that we go. Not everybody's ready to handle all of you. Right? Well, why won't you let me play my tambourine and help the band? Well, one, if you notice, you didn't get a call back for the tambourine audition. <laughs> it's not really what we do here. Two, it ain't about you. Why won't you let me blow my shofar? We actually had somebody, we call him the secret shofar man. It's the inside joke. He came into a worship service one time, and our security thought that he was like about to like kill somebody. He's walking around like this. And right when the, this is a real deal, this is what actually happened. And right when the worship came down, they're like about to like shoot the dude, and he's like, <laughs> and what are you doing? What are you doing? And we go up to him, and we're like, bro, like we, we don't do that here. And he's like, and so we're like, this is really what happened. And so we're like escorting him out of the building. He's like, bah, 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 like rebuking us with his shofar. <laughs> Bro, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. A lot of us, we grew up in churches, right? We're Sister Betty. You knew it was about to happen, right? Jesus, don't, 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 she got to come right down front. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. No longer are we worshiping Jesus. Now we're looking at Betty's shoes. Betty got a new dress. She wants to show it off to everybody. It ain't about us. 
And here's the, here's the problem. Whenever we kind of go outside the culture, whenever, whenever we're maybe inadvertently or advertently drawing attention to ourselves, no longer are the eyes on Jesus. Now the eyes are on you. And it ain't about you. It's not about me. Guys, here's where we need to be very careful. Because that's the same thing Lucifer did. And he was thrown out of heaven for it. He said, hey, I know everybody's worshiping God, but you should really be paying attention to me. No flesh will glory in God's presence. No flesh will glory in God's presence. And that is what Jesus is talking about here, guys. He's saying, guys, stop trying to impress everybody with how spiritual you are. Here's what I'd say, guys. You can blow your shofar. You can shake your tambourine. You can dance really big. You can yell glory, hallelujah, and all the words you want to at home. At home. If you want to do it big, do it at home. Do it at home. Do it before the Lord. Here's my real test. Would you do it just as big at home as you would in front of everybody else? Who are we doing it for? Who are we doing it for? Listen, if you want to do it big and you're like, God's called me to do it big, awesome, go home, into your room, close the door, and do it big just with you and Jesus. Because God hates hypocrisy, but he loves reality. God hates pride, but he loves authenticity. And that's really what prayer is supposed to be about. I was in prayer a little while back, and the Lord just said this very clearly to me. He said, Johnson, more prayer, less polish. And so a prayer is, prayer is an invitation from God to come into his presence, to drop our pride, to stop acting like we have it all together. We don't have to pray really smart. Come on, you don't have to pray the right verses. You don't have to pray these beautiful prayers and impress everybody else. Prayer is the place where I can just take the actor mask off and I can come in before God and just be me. Just be me. The most, the most important spiritual prayer you may ever pray is not from the Book of Common Prayer and the Church of England and all. What your most spiritual prayer you may ever pray is like, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be beautiful. You're not doing it to impress anybody. You're doing it because my soul has now been placed before God. Without the pride, without the polish, here I am, God. And personally, here's what I believe. I believe that sometimes body posture can influence soul posture. So I believe that there's a place and a time to sit in God's presence, to stand in God's presence, to kneel in God's presence, and to fall on our face in God's presence. Because sometimes, listen, just to take on this posture, some of y'all have never even been on your knees in prayer before. There's a place where you just get with you and God, drop the prayer, I mean, drop the pride, drop the polish, just put yourself, and what you're really doing is you're reminding your, your, your flesh, you're not in charge. You're not the king. In fact, it's time to humble myself before the king. And you drop the pride. You might look all super spiritual to everybody else, but that's because they see the outside. God looks at the heart, so just bring you. Just bring you, don't do it for them. Put yourself before God. And when we pray the right way, it's an opportunity to drop the pride and drop the polish and just be real before God. Here's the third thing. When I pray the right way, I meet with the king. 
I meet with the king. I sat down a few weeks ago with a friend of mine who kind of gets around in church world. And he said, Johnson, you know, there, there's a way to explain a lot of the mess that the church is in right now, like the church at large, right? He said a lot of the issues that the church is facing, they're not political issues, they are not governmental issues. Here's, really, here's what he said. He said the real issue facing the church is a wine and a wineskin issue. So that's what it is, wine and wineskin. If you know the, the scriptures Jesus teaches, that was a cultural artifact, right? That time that the wine represented the Lord, the wineskin represented us. And he said this, if you go to church conferences, if you read church books that are being put out right now, they're all about the wineskin. They're all about you. They're all about, here's how you lead better. Here's how you do better. Here's how you act better. Here's how you witness better. Here's the tips and the tricks on how to be better, on how to go from a level four to a level five to a level 10. Like everything's about you and you and you and you. And here's what he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, everybody's talking about the wineskin, but nobody's talking about the wine. Come on, family. He said, everybody's talking about you, but nobody's talking about the one who fills you, Jesus. And without the wine, all we are are empty wineskins. And guys, we can go to all the conferences. We can be in here every single time the doors are open. But if we aren't spending time with the king, we're empty. We're empty. And here's a beautiful thing, guys. When Jesus invites us to go into the Tameon, right, the storeroom, here's the, here's the little detail of that. They lived in a very kind of like open, no, no real safeguard sort of, sort of culture. And so this Tameon, this, this storeroom, was actually the only secure room in the house. So this is actually where you kept all your valuables. This is where you kept all your treasures, so very subtly, Jesus is kind of pulling on the imagination. Here's what he's saying. Hear, hear me right when I say this. Jesus is saying, when you pray, go into the treasure room and meet with the king. Go into the treasure room and meet with the king. Do you know that you have a standing invitation from the king of all kings to meet him in the treasure room? Do you know that there are treasures in God's presence? There are rewards, he talks about them. What are the treasures that are found in God's presence? Love, life, grace, peace, wisdom, joy, healing, wholeness, fulfillment. And guys, here's what I found is that intimacy with God is one of those things where by doing one thing, we actually solve 10 things. And here, here's what I wanna caution some of you, or maybe just draw your attention to. Listen, we live in a world where I know some of you do this. You're like, all right, you create your check boxes. You're like, all right, check box one, prayer. Check box two, rest. Check box three, gotta work on my mental health. Check box four, anxiety. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And what you'll find is intimacy with Jesus is one of those things where by solving one issue, you actually solve 10 issues. 
Let me make it real, guys. I do not wanna hear anybody in this church complain about being stressed out if you aren't spending time with the king in the treasure room. Don't come to me about that. Don't come to me about that. Because what stress, what stress is saying is, I don't have enough resources to deal with the circumstances that I find myself in. Yet you're forsaking your greatest resource, which is the treasures in the king's throne room. Well, I, well what about this? And I, I'm worried about that. And I just don't, I don't, I don't, get, I don't get enough rest. Are you laying down in green pastures? Or are you trying to take supplements to supplement for the lack of the green pastures? So a lot of us are living an astroturf life when we're invited to sit by the river. We're trying to prop up these areas of, oh, well, check that box that and check that. No, no, man, you're invited to come into the throne room. Come into the treasure room, spend time with the king. He'll take care of that stuff for you. Like, I, 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 want, I want to walk through this real quick. It's, it's beautiful, okay? Let's get, can we actually read some scripture just for a second before we close? David writes this in Psalm 27. This is so beautiful. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and they will fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. And my heart says of you, seek his face. In your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes for false witnesses. Rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. But I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David got it. Come on, guys. David got it. Do you, do you see the picture? David is saying, there's chaos all around me, but I will not fear because the Lord will hide me in his high tower. And if he's for me, who could ever be against me? David says, hey, even when my circumstances say I'm an orphan and I'm abandoned, God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. God will never forget me. Even when life looks like it's over, I'm confident of this because I've been in God's presence. I believe that he will come through and I don't even understand how it's gonna happen, but I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Guys, I am 100% confident of this. The reason for all the depression the reason behind all the anxiety and the panic attacks and the suicide and all that, number one, I'm not saying it's all of it, but number one 
is because we are forsaking the invitation to spend time with the king in the treasure room. Because by doing that one thing, it solves 10 things. It solves 10 things. We're too busy liking and scrolling and commenting and running and gunning and going from A to B to C to D. And at the end of the day, we're like, as we're falling asleep, we're like, Jesus, it's your kids in Ethiopia. <laughs> but we have a standing invitation from the king to join him in the treasure room. And in this chaotic world that we live in, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all you what? Who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. If your soul is tired today, I challenge you simply with this. Have you spent time with the king in the treasure room? Because Jesus makes us a promise. He said, I will give you rest for your soul. And he will reward us. Do you want to know what the number one reward is for prayer? It's God. It's God. God himself. God's presence is God's reward. And I believe this, guys. It is time for God's people to reprioritize God's presence. What we have to understand is that when we pray, God's already there. So when you go into the room and you close the door, God's already there. I promise you this. I promise. Please, guys, hear me right. You will not go home today and say, Father God, Father God, Father God. If you know that Father God is already in the room, you don't have to conjure him. This isn't witchcraft. He's not a genie. Come on. He's right there. So talk to him like he's right there. You understand that he's right here. This is, this is why, this is why. Behind every single one of our platforms, everywhere, at every campus, we have the text. It's Hebrew text. It's dalifni miata omed, which in English means know before whom you stand. And we have an invitation. When we come into a place of prayer, God's right there. Know before whom you stand. Take on the posture that's appropriate to be in the presence of the king. And I love this. This is what prayers, and we'll close right here. Martin Lone Jones says this. He says this about prayer. He says, I am now entering into the audience chamber of that God, the almighty, the absolute, the eternal, great God with all his power and his might and his majesty. That God who is a consuming fire, that God who is light and in him is no darkness at all. That utter, absolute, holy God, that is what I'm doing. We have an invitation to spend time with God in the treasure room to enter into that room, to close the door behind us, and to be with God. We have an invitation to come into that place to shut out all the other people. And let me tell you, if you're in there long enough, you'll actually learn to shut out yourself. Where I'm not self-conscious about myself, and I'm not nervous, and I'm not trying to pray beautiful. No, I'm just dropping the pride and the polish, and I'm just putting me before God. And when you do that long enough, you actually learn that I can take that closet with me everywhere I go. I don't have to live to the end of the day and just try and fall into the place of prayer. No, I can pray in the, at work. I can take the closet when I'm working out. Listen, you can even spend time with God in traffic, bless God. Yes. 
You can have intimate, secret prayer with God everywhere you go because he's already there. He got there before you did and he's gonna be there after you leave. And so no longer is this prayer thing. This isn't about no longer. Is this about being a person who's known as a person of prayer who prays beautiful prayers? This is now about simply being a person of prayer who knows the beautiful one. And family, we have a standing invitation from the king to meet him in the treasure room. And the question is, will you? Will you meet him there? We receive the invitation. Let's bow our heads. God, we pause right here. And we acknowledge that you're here. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is right here. David actually prays. He says, I set the Lord always before me. There's this, this, this thing almost that we can just, can we go there that, that we know God is right here. God is right before us. And I want us to take a step in just a minute and be able to have just some intimate, like, fellowship communion with God. But I almost felt a little bit of this, this caution or this warning or this shine a spotlight on this right now. It's to talk to some of us because, listen, here's what I want to draw attention to. If the only time you pray and the only time you worship, the only time you actually hear scriptures is when you're here or you're with others, there's some trouble right there. And what it could actually show us, family, is that maybe we have a corporate relationship with God, but we don't have a personal relationship with God. And here's the truth, guys. When you stand before God one day in heaven, he's not gonna ask you if your aunt was a Christian. He's not gonna ask you if your grandmama knew him in faith. And the most haunting thing for every good pastor is what Jesus says in Matthew 7, the chapter ahead of us. He says, there's gonna come a day where some people are gonna look at me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'm gonna be like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I don't know you. And they're gonna say, well, I went to church and I, I heard the sermons and I did this and I did that. He's like, but I don't know you. And the truth is, family, we have an invitation to worship God big, but our primary invitation is to worship God small, just us and him. What does it look like for me to stand before Jesus? And here's what we're gonna do right now in this moment before we even take another step. We're gonna have an opportunity for you to just kind of remove yourself from the corporate faith and to say, do I have my own personal faith in Jesus Christ? Do I have a saving faith in Jesus Christ? And if you wanna step into that, I'm, we're not gonna shine a spotlight on it. This is between you and the Lord. We're gonna pray right here in family. We're gonna, we're gonna pray this together. So let's pray like this. Say, Jesus... Today, I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have brought pride into your presence. And right now, I turn, I repent, I leave my old way, 
and to step into faith in Christ today. Today, I make faith my own. Today, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, I believe that God raised you from the dead. Today, I receive the forgiveness of my sins because of the blood of Jesus. Today, I confess that you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You are my God. And today, I say that I'll live for you the rest of my life. Today, I am a child of God because of Jesus. Yeah. And through that, you're born again. Past erased, future opened up. Now you're part of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to have an opportunity to kind of practice what we just heard preached. So we're going to just pause right here in this moment. Worship teams are going to come out and they're going to lead us in one final song. But here's what's going to happen, okay? Here's what's going to happen. Some of you are already, it just, this sermon just kind of blew right by you. Some of you are already like, I can't wait to show off my new worship trick. Okay, here's the deal. Remember, we've talked about this. Hide when you're tempted to show and show when you're tempted to hide. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. While we worship, you might almost need to do what's contradictory to your human nature to wanna get attention on yourself. So here's the deal. There's some of you who want to be seen. You just need to be still. There's others of you who are terrified of what everybody else thinks about you. You need to worship the biggest and the loudest. So I'm gonna invite us just over these next few minutes, take on a posture that's fit for the king. So some of you, you may need to sit right in your seat. Some of you may need to stand up. Some of you may need to kind of scoot out and kneel. Some of you may even need to come forward to the front at your campus, right? And just worship that way. But here's what I'm gonna tell you to do. If you're doing it to be seen, just sit in your seat, do it with God later. Others of you, you need to actually have a display because again, it's not about you. There's only one king in the room and his name's Jesus. Only one king in the room and his name's Jesus. And so today we have an invitation to step into the treasure room with the king. Let's do it for his glory. Let's worship together, amen.